0: We are on the way to the cross, John chapter 18, hope you'll grab a Bible, and then Bridge Kids, you're out of here. Go help your teachers and leaders have fun. As they go, let me uh, remind you of one more announcement, and that is on May 10th, we're going to have a child dedication. I think we have a few babies, (laughs) we'll see, May 10th, and so there's plenty of time to plan for that. John chapter 18, we're going to begin at verse 28 today. It was a very long and tiring, exhausting night. The temperature was dropping, and if you'd been outside all night, you would be chilled to the bone. The evening began with the very last supper that Jesus had with his disciples. It would be his very last meal. One of his disciples, named Judas, left uh, during the meal, and he went to meet with uh, religious leaders of Israel, and he made a deal to sell Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. Another disciple named Simon Simon Peter said to Jesus that he would lay down his life for Jesus. And Jesus, in front of all the other disciples, told Peter that he would deny his relationship with Jesus three times that very night. Jesus was betrayed and arrested, and yes, Peter lost all courage and he acted like he never knew Jesus. John the Dis- disciple and the writer of the gospel of John um, recorded information that the other gospels did not record of um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four gospels. John writes about 20 to 40 years later than the others. He knows what's in, the, in the, what the others have written. Uh, he does not intend to, to reproduce everything that they have written. And he includes some details that they weren't either uh, an eyewitness to or that they did not include. Um, Last week, for example, John was the only writer that recorded the preliminary hearing that Jesus had before Annas, the father-in-law of the high priest. Annas was a former high priest. And actually, he was the most influential and powerful one of them all. John does, not mention, um, John does not mention the hearing before Caiaphas. It's going to happen right after the one with Annas, and John does not mention that. John does not mention the interview that Herod had with Jesus. Our passage today focuses on Jesus' trial before Pilate, and John gives way more attention to this than any of the other writers. So, we're going to begin in verses 28 through 32, and it's a meeting of kingdom leaders. A meeting of kingdom leaders. And the leaders uh, are mentioned in verse 28. Then the Jewish leaders took Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. So, the Jewish leaders, Sadducees, the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees, they take Jesus, they leave Annas' house, Annas' compound, and they take uh, them... Take Jesus to Pilate, to Pilate's headquarters. Now, Pilate didn't live here year-round. Pilate lived in Caesarea, but he came to Jerusalem for important religious festivals when the city was bulging with people from the outside. The time is early morning. The sun is just starting to come up. The Sanhedrin, the Jewish ruling council, have already met just at sunup and they have decided that Jesus should be put to death. But they have no authority to carry this out. It was the Passover festival. Um, look at verse 28. By now it was early morning. And to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, they did not enter the palace because they wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So this is kind of an interesting thing that's happening right here. Here are these religious leaders. They're super religious. They want to do the right things. They want to keep all of the rules. And they decide not to go into Pilate's residence because if they do so, they would be rendered unclean. If they become ceremonially unclean for seven days they cannot celebrate the Passover meal. It's complicated, isn't it? That rule isn't in the Bible. It's, in, it's a Jewish tradition. It's written in the Talmud. But they will not go in to uh, Pilate's residence because they don't want to be unclean. When you think about this, they're uh, trying to put an innocent man to death. And yet... They won't go into a Gentile's residence. So here are the players. Caiaphas, the high priest. And Caiaphas represents man's religious kingdom because the Jewish uh, religious leaders uh, were supposed to be the representatives of God, the true and living God. But they have developed a religion that doesn't include God, even though they talk about God. And the second one is uh, Pilate, the roman governor and he's going to rep- represent a political kingdom the the earthly view his job is just to take care of the law and so he's one of the players and then we have jesus the king of kings and he's representing god's true kingdom and uh nobody in, is going to get this in the group um Observation here. Notice that the Jewish religious leaders would not enter the palace so to avoid uncleanness. I've already sort of like super overstated the case here. Let's make an application. Sometimes religion gets in the way of seeing God. Sometimes religion will get in the way of seeing God. That's what happened with the religion of Israel during the time of Jesus. They were so uh, focused... On being right doing right wearing the right clothes doing the right things on the right days that they missed the opportunity they had right before them they had the knowledge of the old testament scriptures that foretold the coming of the messiah of israel this was jesus's role they saw the miracles of jesus firsthand can you imagine that they stood in the crowd and they watched Uh, They heard the word of God. They heard Jesus preach. And yet their hearts are stone cold. They are against this man. They had an opportunity to interview Jesus and question him firsthand, but they miss it. They are self-righteous pride in tradition. Keep them from the truth. Now, traditions aren't always wrong. You know, there are a lot of... if you travel around the U.S., there are a lot of traditions that are related to the church, related to Christianity, and you know traditions aren't wrong or bad necessarily. They're only a problem when they keep you from the truth, when they when they keep you from uh, following Christ and, and obeying Christ. That's when they become a problem. It doesn't make a difference if you have stained glass windows, if you have a, a steeple, if you have wooden pews, if you wear a certain clothing. It doesn't matter. It's about following Christ. Sometimes religion gets in the way of seeing God. Verse 29, the meeting. So Pilate came out to them and asked, What charges are you bringing against this man? This is kind of interesting because Jesus was taken to Pilate's residence. Jesus is on the inside uh, where he would normally be for a trial. And uh, Pilate has to come outside to talk to the Jewish people Why? Because they won't come inside Which would be normal So Pilate comes out to them He lowers himself to be available to them And he gets right to business, he's very practical And what are the charges? I mean, this is about Roman law We don't mess around, we don't have time for small stuff Let's just talk about the law, let's do it Let's apply it Let's get it done with The reason uh, Verses 30 through 32 um, If he were not a criminal They replied, the Jewish leaders We would not have handed him over to you The Jews began with an assumption The Jewish leaders, the religious leaders They began with the assumption That Jesus is guilty In Luke uh, chapter 23 Verse 2 uh, At the trial before the Ruling council, this is where Jesus was, was um, condemned to death on the, on the part of the Jewish leaders. They accused Jesus of insurrection, not paying taxes, and he claimed to be Christ, of all things, a king. Verse 31, Pilate said, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. This is kind of a put-down of Pilate uh... to the jewish people number one they have no authority to execute anyone so he's just telling them something that they have no power to do um, and the truth is Pilate saw this as such a minor thing it shouldn't even be bothering uh... roman uh, uh... roman law it's not about roman law and then the jewish people come back but we have no right to ex- execute anyone and that is exactly true This took place to fulfill what Jesus had said about the kind of death he was going to die. A lot of stuff happening here, right? In the first century, uh, in the Old Testament, the way that capital punishment was carried out, if somebody was guilty of a crime deserving of capital punishment, they could be stoned to death by the community. In the first century, Rome ruled the world and they room, r- ruled Israel and um, no one can carry out capital punishment in the Roman Empire except the Romans under Roman law and Roman authority. So Jesus had predicted that he would be crucified. Normally, if it's the religious leaders, it would be stoning to death. Jesus predicted that on several occasions before this That he would be crucified This took place to fulfill What Jesus had said How did the Romans Execute? Crucifixion, classic It didn't exist in the ancient world It existed primarily During the Roman Empire That is um, Fairly modern when you look At ancient history Here's an observation The Jewish religious leaders self righteously assumed that Jesus was guilty. They just assumed they were blinded by their pride. They just assumed that Jesus couldn't be the Messiah. He didn't have the credentials they were looking for. He didn't say the words they were looking for. He wasn't dressed. He didn't have the education that they were looking for. Here's an application for us. Be careful about prejudging people be careful about placing your assumptions and expectations on others be careful to filter your judgments through scripture be careful that you just don't judge someone by their dress, they may dress differently than you Um, they may have too many piercings they may have no piercings and not cool they may have funky hair They may have no hair, or they may have boring hair. Just be careful about judging people. Uh, and And my point is, is that God doesn't judge people by their outward appearance. He judges by the heart, and that's just to remind us. Peter reminds us of the danger of pride in 1 Peter chapter 5. He says, all of you clothe yourselves with humility. So this is just a great attitude to have as you relate to people Clothe yourselves with humility Toward one another Because God opposes the proud But shows favor to the humble See the Jewish people The Jewish religious leaders In bringing Jesus to trial We're kind of swimming upstream Against God God opposes the proud And uh, you know that's not a fun place to be Is to move against God And when, and when we're prideful um, we're swimming upstream, and God gives grace to the humble. God gives favor to the humble. I'd, I'd rather be in a place where I'm going to experience God's favor. Okay, verses 33 through 38, a conversation of kingdom values. We've been talking about kingdoms, kingdom values here, the main issue, verse 33 and 34. Pilate, Pilate then um, went back inside. This is, you are got to watch Pilate. He's inside, he's outside. He's inside, he's outside. Seven times. John's the only one that records this. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? This is now a private conversation. It's Jesus and Pilate. Only John records this. Um, Are you the king of the Jews? Well... There was a king in Jerusalem already, and his name was Herod, but he wasn't a real king, he was a puppet king. And he he was sort of allowed to have a name like that because the Romans said it's okay, but he wasn't a real king. And so this whole deal about asking if Jesus is a king, it's a political issue. Uh, If if this is a real king, this is a problem for Rome, and and Rome is going to have to take care of it and annihilate this problem. Pilate doesn't think this is a real issue. But he says, are you the king of the Jews? Verse 34, is that your idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? So Jesus is talking to the Roman governor, the one who has the power of life and death, and the governor asks him a question, are you the king of the Jews? What does Jesus do? He asks, answers the question with a question. He's very bold about this. Um, Pilate is not accustomed to being asked questions by the accused. Jesus is saying, what's your purpose in asking? Do you want to know the answer personally? Or is this about solving the Jewish problem here? The main issue is, who is Jesus? Who do the Jewish religious leaders think Jesus is? Who does Pilate think Jesus is? And then one for us is, what do you think? Who do you think Jesus is? Yes. Verse 35, sarcasm. Pilate responds, Am I a Jew? Who do you think you are? I'm not a Jew. It's your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is, what is it you've done? Am I a Jew? No way. He says, I don't care about these crazy religious people. You're the one on trial. You need to defend yourself. Pilate recognizes that this is extremely rare. The Jewish people have come to Pilate. And they've brought a Jewish person One of their own For Pilate to make a ruling And carry out a death sentence That doesn't happen They don't want to ask favors of anybody They don't want to ask favors of a Gentile Or a Gentile kingdom Jesus must be a unique individual For the Jews to go to to all this trouble Pilate asks What is it you have done so far Pilate does not understand what all this fuss is about Jesus seems harmless he's definitely not a threat to Rome the explanation verse 36 Jesus said my kingdom is not of this world if it were my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders but now my kingdom is from another place so Jesus is really opening the conversation for dialogue with Pilate his kingdom is not of this world it is of another world, another realm it is of the heavenly realm, the kingdom of God when Jesus is saying my servants he's talking about his disciples and they have not been trained for war they were not trained for combat Um, if Jesus' kingdom were of a political nature his servants would have fought to defend him when he was arrested. So what is the significance of the, this kingdom conversation? Is, is Jesus the king? In the Old Testament, God was considered the king. It was a theocracy. God is king. And God's people were to follow. Over a period of time, God's people got... Bored with that, and they wanted their own king. They wanted a human king. They wanted to be like the other nations, and so God gave them a king, and He gave them Saul. And that didn't work out, and He gave them David. And David was a great king, and He gave them Solomon. Solomon was a great king, and the king was to be a representative for God. And the king was to go to God for guidance and for wisdom in making decisions, for leadership. The king was to have a close relationship with God, and that always didn't work out in the Old Testament. God made a very important promise to David that we've looked at several times. And this happens about 1,000 B.C., Second Samuel chapter 7, Promise to one particular king. It's the second king of Israel. And, and the prophet Nathan said to David, "'When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, "'I will raise up your offspring to succeed your own flesh and blood, "'and I will establish his kingdom.'" he is the one who will build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever promise to David that there would be a son on David's throne forever unique promise everybody in the Old Testament got that one we're going to have a king he's going to be great he's going to reign on David's throne forever well Solomon was David's son and Solomon built a temple for God he built A great physical structure for God, but He wasn't the one. In Luke chapter 1, verse 32 and 33, just before Jesus was born, the angel Gabriel came to Mary and said this about the baby He will be great, He will be called the Son of the Most High, the Most High God. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever and his kingdom will never end. So for a thousand years that promise wasn't fulfilled. And then Jesus is born and the angel says this about this son. He will be a king and he will be a great king and he will rule forever. This is the king this is Messiah the one that Israel has been looking forward for looking forward to for hundreds of years by the way so Jesus came and he died on the cross and he was raised again was his throne established forever nope is there a king in Israel today nope you know what there will be there will be Verse 37, John 18, 37. The identification, you are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you said that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came to this world is to testify to the truth. Everyone of the side of truth listens to me. Pilate is looking for something that will incriminate Jesus or uh, exonerate Jesus. Jesus acknowledges the purpose of his birth. He gives Pilate clues of his pre-existence before birth, that he, he came to this earth. He existed before he came. His reason for coming to the world was to make known the truth. This is his purpose. This is why he showed up. He came to uh, explain the Father, to reveal the Father. Pilate now has an opportunity to know the truth. Think about this. Before Pilate stands, Jesus. Jesus can answer any question that Pilate has. Pilate has an opportunity to know the truth, to find out the deepest answers to the deepest questions of his heart. Uh, Pilate is not interested Um, The Apostle John later writes this about Jesus. I saw heaven standing open. So we're going to, we jump. Same writer, the same one who wrote the Gospel of John writes the book of Revelation. This is just a few years later that John writes this. And he knew Jesus. He saw Jesus be raised from the grave. And now we go into the future and we come to the end of history. And this is what... John says about Jesus I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called faithful and true with justice he judges and wages war his eyes are like blazing fire and on his head are many crowns he has a name written on him that no one knows but himself he is dressed in a robe dipped in blood and his name is the word of God anybody recognize that name the word of God it's John chapter 1 it's the name for Jesus next slide the armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen and linen and white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He is going to execute judgment with his words. Coming out of his mouth is a sword. He's going to execute judgment. He created the heavens and the earth by speech, the word of God, and he will bring judgment by his word. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty on his robe and on his thigh. He has the name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That is Jesus, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This whole kingdom talk. Are you a king? This is him. This is who he is. Pilate deflects uh, Jesus in verse 38. What is truth, retorted Pilate? Pilate had the opportunity to know the truth, and he deflects the opportunity. This is a, he's a classic skeptic. He's probably dabbled in philosophy, like many of us. You know a little bit. You like to, you like to dialogue. You like to argue with people a little bit. That's Pilate. And he, what is truth? He had a chance to know the truth, and now he's just going to be the skeptic. Early in Jesus' ministry, Jesus had this to say about truth. John chapter 8, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching... You are really my disciples, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus said, "If you follow, you're going to come uh, come into an understanding of truth, and as you follow, the truth is going to set you free—free free from sin, free from addictions." Brings you into a genuine relationship with God Brings you to a spiritual rebirth Hours before Jesus' meeting with Pilate Just hours before this meeting with Pilate John chapter 14 verse 6 Jesus said I am the way and the truth and the life No one comes to the Father except through me Jesus said I am the way, I am the truth That's why he came He stands before Pilate. This is why I have come to reveal truth, to declare truth. Verses uh, 38, and following a collision of kingdom politics, this is number three if you're following on the outline, and I always encourage you to do that. This is about the politics of Israel and the politics of Rome intersecting with a plan of God we see negotiations in verse 38 with this he went out again to the Jews and gathered there and he said I find no basis for a charge against him but it is your custom for me Pilate says to release to you a prisoner at the time of the Passover do you want me to release the king of the Jews Pilate changes the venue from the inside to the outside. He announces his viewpoint. This man's innocent. I have no basis of a charge against him. He decides to engage the audience in the decision. He does not want to execute Jesus, an innocent man. He refers to the custom of releasing a prisoner at Passover. Just a, It was a custom that took place in Israel. Pilate assumes that Jesus is so popular if he just offers this that they're going to they're want to free Jesus. And he miscalculates. Um, they shouted back no not him. Give us Barabbas. Now Barabbas had taken part in an uprising. Uh, Barabbas was a rough character he was a violent character Uh, he was he was in jail for murder and uh, he was an insurrectionist he was viewed as a rebel and uh, sure he was popular with some people but Pilate just assumed that they would call for jesus's release but there was something going on in the crowd and the jewish leaders present had incited the crowd uh, and led the crowd in this uh, freeing of Barabbas, here's an observation. The impassioned Jewish audience chose to release a criminal over Jesus. And Mark 15 states that Barabbas had committed murder. Application for us don't be surprised when religious people reject Jesus as the only way of salvation. Don't be surprised when religious people reject Jesus. Sometimes religious people have trouble with the simple truth about who Jesus is and what he has done. Sometimes good people who do good things have trouble with simple truth of the gospel of Jesus. The message of the Bible is not be a good person and you will go to heaven. The message of the Bible is not be a religious person and you will go to heaven. The message of the Bible is not believe in God and be good and you will go to heaven. The message is not um, to believe in Jesus and be good and you'll go to heaven. The message of the Bible is all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That Jesus died on the cross and he paid the penalty for our sin He paid the penalty for all of our sin, that there's nothing more that we can do or add to this. And God has one requirement, and it's by faith to trust Jesus as Savior, to place your faith in Jesus as your Savior. Verses, chapter 19, verses 1 through 5, Pilate seeks to appease the people. Chapter 19, Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. This is going to be a horrible thing. John just mentions it in one sentence. Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. Um, I won't spend time uh, going through all the details. It, very simply, f- a flogging was taking um, a whip that had nine leather tails, and the tails were embedded with uh, sharp metal or... Uh, bone and it was used to rip open the victim's back and sometimes victims died with flogging or scourging um, it was a very violent precursor to crucifixion um, soldiers twisted together a, a, a crown of thorns they're going to make fun they mock Jesus they, they put a crown of thorns on his head as if he's a king they clothed him with the purple robe they, they take one of, a, one of the soldiers old robes And they used this purple robe as the Romans wore red. And when they got old and faded, they looked a little more purple. And that's what they put on Jesus. And they went up to him again and again saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they slapped him in the face. This was total humiliation. Verse 4, once more, Pilate came out. There it is again, inside, outside. And he said to the Jews that gathered there, Look, I'm bringing him to you to let you know that I find no basis for a charge against him. He continues to see Jesus as innocent. When Jesus came out, verse 5, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, Here is the man. Here is the man. This is a pathetic picture of Jesus. He's beaten, he's bloody, he's exhausted. I, he probably can hardly stand, and it's as if out of sympathy the Jewish people should change their mind to see uh, that he doesn't deserve this. And that's kind of what uh, Pilate is trying to accomplish here. Observation, the very powerful and secular military made fun of Jesus and viewed him as weak. Application for us, don't be surprised when very powerful and influential people make fun of Jesus. It's fairly common in our world for those who have control and power to uh, belittle Christianity and see Christianity as weak. We have government leaders and university professors, um, those in law that have little time for Jesus, entertainers. This is what really impacts our, our, uh, our thinking. Entertainers, musicians, actors, comedians. Jesus is Weak. Jesus is silly. We come to the last section. Verses 6 through 16. Declaration of kingdom justice. Verses 6 through 8 is the public debacle. As soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him, they shouted, crucify, crucify. This is an angry group. Pilate answered, you take him. See, he just keeps Passing the buck. He knows they can't take him. He doesn't really intend for them to take him. You take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. This is a little bit of sarcastic humor on Pilate's part. The Jewish leaders have no authority, they need Pilate's authority. They want Pilate. To solve this problem they want Pilate to do their dirty work verse 7 the Jewish leaders insisted we have a law according to that law he must die because he claimed to be the son of God this is the real issue for them they had made charges before none of them stuck none of them were real and this is not a Roman problem. This, is not, this is violates no Roman law, therefore is not worthy of capital punishment. But they have a law. That he, uh, and it's from Leviticus 24, 15, and 16. He claimed to be the Son of God. Now here's one thing the Jewish people understood. And our culture doesn't understand. And I wonder if you understand. That Jesus claimed to be the Son of God meant that he was equal with the Father that's what Jesus was claiming he was equal to the Father he said it on many occasions I and the Father are one the Jews understood it I don't know in American culture you can grow up in church and you can say yeah Jesus is the Son of God and then you say he is God what? no he's the Son of God no, he's equal with the Father and um, it was such, the Jews understood it, and they want to kill Jesus for this. The only problem is, what if he is the Son of God? Verse 8, when Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid. Now, starts to come out with Pilate. Pilate is fearful, and he's been fearful the whole time. He's fearful for a number of reasons. His wife has already had a bad dream about Jesus, and she was afraid he didn't want to execute an innocent person that's a good reason um, he feared that this demonstration with, the, with his Jewish audience and his questions about his leadership and his inability to handle a rebellion like a king he, he, he was concerned um, that this wouldn't go well he was afraid of what might happen he might lose his job verses 9 through 11 the private questions, questioning The venue changes again. He went back inside the palace. Where do you come from? So he's talking to Jesus alone. He asked Jesus, but Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me? Pilate said. Don't you realize I have the power either to free you or to crucify you? So Pilate is nervous. He feels a great deal of pressure. Uh, He wishes Jesus would give him more information. not because Pilate wants to know Jesus in a personal way, but so that he can help Pilate get off the hook with with this, this Jewish problem. Verse 11, Jesus answered, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. That's pretty bold of Jesus. He's saying to the Roman governor, you would have no power over me. Power was given to you by the power of heaven. And Jesus is there because that's what God's plans entail. And it's not because the Jews have authority or the Romans have authority. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. Pilate will be guilty of putting Jesus to death. Judas will be guilty of putting Jesus to death. And Caiaphas will be guilty of putting Jesus to death. And I would suggest that Judas and Caiaphas are going to be more guilty than Pilate, but they're all guilty. Public decision, verses 12 through 16. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free. You know, he's really waffling. But the Jewish leaders kept shouting, if you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. Pilate went back outside. For this conversation this is a these are fighting words here a friend of Caesar is a very important concept it's like a technical term if you were a friend of Caesar you were uh, on an inner circle you, were, you had benefits and privileges that other Romans would not have um, you were a privileged person and you would have a special relationship you would be viewed as a loyal friend of uh, Caesar. The danger for Pilate is to have his name associated with not taking care of loyalty to Rome. Uh, The danger for Pilate is not to deal with someone who claims to be a king and opposes Rome. Verses 13 and 14... When Pilate heard this, this is going to seal the deal. He brought Jesus out and sat down on the judge's seat. When Pilate sat down, that man's deliberations are over. Now comes my decision. He brought Jesus out and sat down on the judge's seat at a place known as the stone pavement. So here's the deal Pilate is sitting at the judgment, the Roman judgment seat. Who is before him? Jesus Christ standing before him. Pilate is about to pronounce a sentence of death on Jesus. How weird is that? Pilate will one day stand before Jesus, at Jesus' judgment seat, and be responsible for this. He sat down in the judge's seat and placed down known as the stone payment, which in Aramaic is... Gabbatha. In that day of preparation of the Passover, it was about noon. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews. He had been reluctant. He'd been goaded into this action. Now it was time for judgment. But they shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him. The crowd is livid with anger. The very thought of Jesus being king. Uh, Shall I crucify your king? He still playing the game. He's still trying to find a way out. Shall I crucify your king? Which brings the Jewish leaders to a very bold statement. We have no king but Caesar. We have no king but Caesar. They were supposed to have a king who was God, and they have no king but Caesar, and the chief priests are the ones who answered. Verse 16, finally, Pilate handed him over To be crucified, so the soldiers took charge of Jesus. Pilate gave up. He never stood his ground. He didn't want to lose his job. He gave in to political pressure over justice. Now the execution will take place. The problem is what do you do with Jesus? That's been the problem of the whole passage. What do you do with Jesus? You're going to crucify him. You're going to find a way out. Jewish people didn't want him. Pilate didn't want the problem. Pilate didn't think he was guilty. What do you do with Jesus? Pilate didn't know what to do with Jesus. He was undecided all the way through. The question is is what will you do with Jesus? What have you done with Jesus? Maybe you've become a follower of Jesus. What do you do with Jesus? Is he your lord? Are you following him? Is he your lord? What do you do with Jesus? You want to ignore him? Some people want to laugh at him. Some people make fun of him. Some people want to criticize him. Some people want to say he was a good person or a great moral teacher. Was he savior of the world? What do you think? I'm going to close with one passage for us to look at. It's Romans 6.23. This passage contains both good news and bad news. It starts with the bad news, for the wages of sin is death. The bad news is there's an assumption that we are sinners, and that's what Romans three twenty three says: for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That means all people everywhere have sinned, and there are consequences. Romans six twenty three: the wages or the consequences of sin is death, not just physical death, but a spiritual death. Um, it's separation from God. It's separation from God for an eternity. Jesus called it hell. The wages of sin is death. But here's the good news. The good news is the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. God would send his son. That's why Jesus came. It's good news. And he he offers a gift of eternal life in Christ. Romans 5, 8 says, But God demonstrated his own love Toward us in this, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He took our place. That's good news. And the simple responsibility he's given to us, the simple requirement for us, is to believe that message. To believe that Jesus, who Jesus is and that he died for us. That he died for you, that he died for me. Acts 16.31 says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. It's that simple. That's how you begin to follow Christ. Let's stand together and pray. Father, we just uh, stop and pause before you, and we've covered a lot of material today. Apostle John has given us a lot of information about what led up to the death of Jesus. Father, may we... um, Appreciate what you have done for us. How much you loved us and that you still love us. That you would send your son. May we not take it for granted. May we not forget the question, what will we do with Jesus? What will we do with Jesus today? Will we follow Will we say we had a nice day at church? What will we do? Will we contemplate? If we've not placed our faith in Jesus? Will will we think this through seriously? Father, open our hearts. May we respond in a way that honors you. May you continue to draw us. May we continue to follow for Jesus' sake. Amen.